Okay, hello everybody and welcome to Investing with IBD sponsored by MarketSmith. Today is February 12, 2020. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce, and with me today is Gordon Owens. Gordon is a chartered market technician and the co-founder of the Owens Group at Baird. Thanks for being here, Gordon. I'm happy to be here. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the current market, getting your kids involved with investing, and then we will end the episode with three current stocks. So let's get into the current market. The market is still in an uptrend. Uh, we have three distribution days on the NASDAQ, four on the S&P 500. Leading stocks continue to act well. They continue to hang in there. Gordon, what are your thoughts on the market? Uh it seems that it has a lot of resilience. Um, it, the the um, there's plenty of opportunity out there to upset the apple cart. Um, you have the uh, coronavirus. You have elections moving along, uh, and I think um, the ten-year yield on the ten-year bond coming back down and retesting the lows um, all signal that. Uh, th there, there are some concerns out there, and I think you need to be cautiously optimistic in here. Yeah, but you know, a lot of times we have all that fear, but the market loves to climb a wall of worry, though, too, right? They do. Yes. And so, uh, with stocks still hanging in there, you always want to make sure you are managing your risk. Uh, you are uh, and listening to the market. I think you don't want to. I think I agree with you in that. You don't want to be necessarily really aggressive and on margin and really pushing it, but you still want to have plenty of exposure uh, because, as you said, the market uh, continues to be very resilient. Yeah, I think the, the important thing is, is to not try and forecast and to listen to the signals that you're receiving from um, the canary in the coal mine uh, in terms of interest rates, corporate earnings, uh, and those types of um, uh, data indicators. Uh, I also think looking at charts and looking at participation or volume uh, in conjunction with price really uh, should give you a good understanding of where it wants to go. So Gordon, let's, let's get into a little bit of your background now. How do you get involved in investing and, and end up where you are? Well, um, I graduated from college in a recession. And so um, having a liberal arts degree, I realized that I needed to go back and build my skill set. I went back and did postgraduate work in accounting and uh, was ran into someone who said that it would be a good idea to go interview with this firm to become a stockbroker. Uh, and um, I got my license to do that uh, and then cold called on different branch managers. A lot of them were a little bit standoffish. It was hard for them to justify some 20 year old giving financial advice to older people. And, um, but one of the branch managers made me wait for a good two hours, came in, said, come back. I came back a half a dozen times, same deal, waiting in, uh, you know, the lobby for 
a pretty good amount of time. And God, let me interrupt you there for one second, Gordon. Do you think that was a test to see how badly you wanted to to work for him? Yeah, I think uh, I think it was a good litmus test because when I did get hired and went through the training program. Um, if you don't know anybody, uh, you're going to have to smile and dial to build your book of business. And I, I basically built um, the beginnings of our business through cold calling. Uh, and so uh, it really was, um, I think, a good test to see if this really was a profession, if you were going to stick with it. Um, and so I think back then two or three in 10 people actually made it through the training course and actually became an advisor and stayed in the business. So the odds were fairly low. Uh, but, um, but about five, six years into this, I ran into a gentleman who uh, wanted to open up a branch in Orlando, Florida. And so I, uh, talked my wife into leaving her high paying job as a CPA with one of the big four accounting firms. And off we went. We, and, uh, I think 22 years later, we're still, still at the same group doing, doing different things, but no, I mean, that that's, that's pretty incredible. Now, how did you, uh, get into technical analysis and, and end up also becoming a chartered market technician, because that's not necessarily the normal path from a stockbroker, now you're heading more towards uh, technical analysis and incorporating that into your strategy. Yeah, I think um, what happened is it was just really by necessity. We started working with our investment bank uh, with people who were undergoing the sale of their business. And we realized that a lot of times when they would um, when they would have uh, their uh, liquidity event, they would have stock options, they would have a large position concentrated in one company, and uh, we had the CPA taking care of the CFP, we had a lot of different credentials that we got on the planning side, but there wasn't anything that would look at uh, the um, uh, the technical side of the stocks that a lot of these uh, executives held. And so I called our uh, market uh, strategist. I asked him, what should I do? How do I, how do I learn about this? He sent me several books. I read them. I sent them back. And um, he recommended that I get my charter as a market technician and um, it, uh, ever since then, I've been very grateful that uh, that he was a, a sponsor as well as uh, Ned Davis Research. Yeah, and and so what were uh, some of those books that that he had you read? Um, so it was uh, Martin Pring, and it was Edwards and McGee, and one from uh, Ned Davis, and I won't get the title exactly right, but it was uh, uh, Do you want to be right or make money? That, that, that's a great title because, <laughs> I mean, that that's really, in, in the end, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong as long as you're going with what the market is doing. Correct. And and so so you start to incorporate the, the technical analysis into your strategy. And, and then how, how did that, you know, how, how did your strategy evolve after that? How, how did you uh, 
Uh, what, what were kind of some of the results that you saw? So um, it was very helpful because it gave us an understanding of where price was uh, and uh, it, it gave us a platform to discuss issues with clients about usually you want to keep on dancing with the girl that brought you. I've made all my money through this. I want to keep this. And we all heard the horror stories of writing it all the way down. Um, using technical analysis seemed to be a good conduit for them to take a step back and say, okay, this is a, a pretty good chunk of change. And what is going to be the best way to be a good steward and to be able to pass this down uh, to my children and several generations? And um, that's actually how I got involved with MarketSmith was that we needed a program that would put juxtaposition, the technical information next to the fundamental uh, information. Or, and, and so uh, we, a lot of times when people are asking about their positions, we send a screenshot marked up uh, of MarketSmith. And what we found was is that uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of executives, really, they, they, they go up gracefully, but not everybody comes down gracefully. So there has to be some type of a strategy or a plan B that if things don't keep on growing to the moon, what do we do? And that's where technical analysis, I think, has helped us a great deal. Yeah, and, and I've always found, especially when looking at charts and, and looking at data, that helps you manage your emotions better, right? And that's something that anyone can uh, you know, fall prey to if, if you don't have a plan. Yeah, I, and I think uh, um, in the last 10 years, especially with a lot of the quantitative easing and, and – um, uh, you know, the resuscitation of the economy, that it has been one of those things where a lot of passive strategies have done well. And um, I was looking at the uh, CAPE the other day, and, uh, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit more tougher sledding moving forward. And being selective is going to be uh, something that people are going to need to do moving forward if they want to continue to compound their money uh, at decent rates for the future. Perfect. So the market continues and it's still in an uptrend. And remember, we are still in the middle of earnings season. Let's take a quick break. But when we return, we are going to talk about how you can get your kids involved in investing. Stay tuned. I am here with Scott St. Clair. Scott's one of our senior product coaches at MarketSmith. Now, Scott, there are a ton of publicly traded stocks just on the U.S. I think it's over 5,000 stocks. Who has the time to go through all of these stocks and find the very best ones? Yeah, most people don't, right? So what you need is a tool like MarketSmith. We have decades of research on what makes a great winning stock. So we've done all the research for you. So we're going to try to highlight those specific stocks with those great data points. So if you're looking for that next great potential big winner, 
orange stock ideas button. You just click on it and you've got some of the main reports that we use, including the Growth 250. Yeah, and the Growth 250 is the first list that I go through on the weekends. Yeah, it's the most popular one, but there are others. There's the Breaking Out Today, Stocks Near a Pivot, and then the Blue Dot list, right, which is very popular. It's going to show you the stocks with the best relative strength. So we've done a lot of the work for you. What you have to do is review these lists. You're going to come up with some of the best ideas in that current market environment. Perfect. Mark Smith saves you time and makes investment research that much easier. For more information, go to Investors.com slash podcast 2020. Gordon Owens is our guest on Investing with IBD. Okay, Gordon, you have two daughters, and I've, I've had a chance to meet both of them at, at events. And, you know, one was at the CMT Symposium last year, right? and the, another was, uh, I think, in D.C. back a few months ago at the IBD Trading Summit. And what really impressed me was, you know, how much they were into investing. You know, they were actually interested in stocks. So what's your secret? Um, always have them ask their mother first. <laughs> Um, I, well, what we found was, is that, uh, a lot of, um, you know, people we worked with, their greatest concern was their, their kids being able to have, uh, a basis of understanding with how markets work, how money works, et cetera. And so, uh, we, uh, our two daughters became somewhat guinea pigs where we would, um, you know, get the paper, we'd sit down with them, we would look at the charts, we would go through the attributes of how to be successful. Um, and they, uh, because it was something that was an open, ongoing discussion, the, they, they were always interested. Uh, I'd find them at a retail store and my eldest would be on her iPhone looking up MarketSmith, looking up to see if the company's public and those types of things. So uh, I would say that um, getting involved, making time each week uh, to sit down and chat about uh, where the markets are, how different current events are affecting the markets, um, companies that they're interested in, letting them do their research, uh, looking up different things with them in terms of on the IBD, is there a New America article? Is there uh, you know, something that can uh, give them a better understanding of what makes the company special? Yeah. And, and you, you had a nice uh, analogy on relative strength that you used to explain that concept to them. Why don't you share that with everyone? Well, I, I think one of the things about working with um, your children is it, you have these words like relative strength and it just doesn't mean anything really to them. So trying to come up with an analogy so that they can imprint what it actually is. Um, we were talking about relative strength and I said, you know, relative strength, you could probably think of as a popularity contest. And if you went through your high school and, you know, the most popular person has a high relative strength score. And, um, so we're always looking for those, um, examples so that they can understand these concepts. But I find that, 
they teach me as much as I feel sometimes that I teach them. Yeah. Uh, no, and uh, and that's what we hear from from a lot of people who've been doing this for a while. They'll they'll discover stock ideas from their kids. For instance, Mike Webster is one of our. Uh, he's been here for a long, long time, a long time portfolio manager, and he uh, discovered Crocs. Uh, because his kids loved it, and and that became a huge winner for them. Yeah, I, I, you know, one of the things that uh, my wife does is she'll take a picture of the Wall Street Journal or the IBD, and she'll write a caption in there about what's material about the article, and then she'll Snapchat it, and I, uh, and so um, I find that. The way that they look at different companies is different. Lululemon, uh, Snapchat, Pinterest, uh, Google. Uh, they have uh, a, a different perspective, but probably a better perspective than EPS growth rate and, and those types of things. They understand the uniqueness and the persistence behind the trend with those companies. Yeah, so for instance, Lululemon, let, let's go over that example. You know, what do they like about that uh, company? Um, well, the first thing that I noticed about Lululemon is whenever we go to the store, it's packed. And they won't, they won't wear anything else. Uh, they won't, you know, that's just not Lululemon. We're only gonna wear this brand. Um, and I think they realize, especially going to see uh, my daughter at university, it looks like everybody's going for a yoga class. <laughs> I mean, the athleisure movement has really penetrated, and it's crazy how uh, how many people that this is just their wardrobe now. Right. Right. Yeah. No. That was uh, when I moved to California y years ago. That that was the the big shock for me. Everyone was dressed in yoga pants. And they were all all the women were wearing UGG boots, and and then it made sense why Deckers went on this monster monster run, and of course why Lululemon was this hot IPO stock at that time. Um, so even like Snapchat, I'm I'm assuming Snapchat is on everyone's radar there because you're using it. I now I have never really used Snapchat, so it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me as much, but. That is something that a lot of kids are, are using. And so you have an edge naturally on that versus others. Well, I find that that's their preferred way of communicating. Okay. And so I, I wouldn't know anything that's going on in my daughter's life at university if I didn't have it. Oh, Because that's how you get the picture and, uh, you know, the, the, you can meet their friends, uh, you know, through these pictures and understand what's going on with them uh, and streaks, all of these different things. You realize why, you know, the stock has been successful is, is that uh, they have a high retention rate. They're on it all day. Uh, you know, my daughter said something, uh, oh, you know, you redded me or something, you know, it's still, I didn't, I didn't look at her Snapchat and she was offended. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so the, these new ways of communicating, I find are, um, really good ways to see where things are going to trend in the future. Now, uh, now one, one other cool thing that, that, that you, you spoke about earlier, uh, when we were when we were preparing for this, was that you use MarketSmith as the medium to communicate also uh, with your kids? 
Uh, and it, it's uh, because it's very easy for them to understand because all the ratings, a lot or a lot of the ratings are in letter grades, right? A, B, and C. Yep, it's um, it's very intuitive. And instead of uh, hitting your knee with a hammer trying to explain uh, earnings per share or return on equity, uh, you know they they can just look and see. Okay, well, you know here are the issues that are positive with this particular company. Here are the issues that uh, aren't as positive. And a lot of times uh, they'll hit a screenshot and send it to me and uh, I'll circle things and we'll send it back and forth. But uh, they, they, they're they always looking at both sides of the equation. You know, earnings, sales, those types of things. Then they look at the price data, and then what they have to solve for is why is this going to continue to go up in price? What what is going to happen to keep these companies going? And you can come up with some pretty um, uh, pretty good uh, rationale that uh, a professional like myself, I, I don't know that I would have gotten it. Yeah, and and another way that they're they're learning about the strategy is, uh, and I don't want to, it, it's sounding like a commercial, but I don't want to, but uh, IBD Live, you have a great story of how your kids are using IBD Live. Um, yeah, so uh, it, we watch IBD Live to get started in the morning. Uh, one morning I had a meeting, and so uh, I was getting Snapchatted, and my daughter, uh, I, I said, hey, can you watch this link? I need you to, you know, just uh, see if there's anything on there that's important. I thought she, yeah, she'd watch it, maybe send something. She sent me two pages of notes. And, you know, now she's watching it all the time. And uh, what's great about it is that it's, it's uh, creating a dialogue where she's got questions in terms of why does the relative strength line need to go higher? Why are they looking at that? But they do such a great job on the IBD Live. I kind of feel like it's taking them for golf lessons. Uh, they, they are being taught by the pros, and I can take a step back and just answer questions when they have them. And, and you had a, another great... Uh, talk about post analysis. You're, you're you're teaching your kids about post analysis, which you know it's not, it's, it's important for the stock market, but it's also important for life as as you keep getting uh, as you keep growing and learning from your mistakes. Yeah, we um, we have a, a sheet that we use, and uh, it says here's here's what happened, here's what went right, here's what went wrong. And then here are the things that I can do to learn from this so that I can improve. And it's, it's um, when they can take a step back and have that detachment, they, they really tend to come up with great things that they can incorporate into their routine, um, which we're big proponents of. We think you have to have a regular routine so that things are repeatable. And uh, the nice thing about it is that a lot of the things we used to do by hand uh, Market Smith does for us. So they have their checklist. They, they know that consistently applying the rules over time is really going to have a better outcome for them. Yeah. And, and you're teaching them concepts like uh, price anchoring and loss aversion too, right? 
Yeah, we actually, uh, we've been working with a gentleman by the name of Rick Bensignor, and he is a uh, behavioral finance strategist. And it's fun because, uh, you know, anchoring is that the current price that you bought this at is going to be how you're judging your success or failure. And a lot of times uh, when you anchor to a price, uh, it's going to be very difficult uh, when you marry that with loss aversion uh, to get out of positions that just aren't working. And that's the thing that uh, we find is, is that if something's not working, uh, it's nothing personal. You just have to move on. There's something else that's probably more productive and you have to go find it. And so uh, really uh, the behavioral side has been fun to work with uh, them on. Perfect. And and also finally, you're uh, you're letting them uh, you're going to reward them uh, for getting A's. Right. For instance, with Parker, uh, she can only go to the CMT event if she gets an A's. Is that correct? Uh, well, so we, we try and take them to conferences. We want them to be speak fluent adult. And, and so um, what was great was the CMT conference that uh um, my eldest went to, uh, she sat down with you and talked about her goals and aspirations, and she was able to start her freshman year knowing uh, what she wanted to do and could choose her major, et cetera. So uh, I was joking with Parker, kind of, uh, and I said, listen, if you get straight A's, you can come to the conference and, you know, it's all good. You know, B, you get a B, C's, we're going to be Skyping. <laughs> So, so there are a number of great suggestions on how you can get your kids more involved in investing. And remember, it's never too early to get started. Coming up next, we are going to have uh, one of Gordon's daughters on, Parker, and we're going to discuss a number of ideas that she likes and that are worth looking into. We'll be back. I'm here with Scott St. Clair, and Scott is one of the senior product coaches at Margaret Smith. Now, Scott, We've both been doing this for a long time, and we know that investment research takes a lot of time. There are so many factors that you want to look into to try to figure out that whether this is a stock to buy or not. Quarterly earnings, huge sales growth. Hey, are institutions buying it? The list goes on and on. Yeah, it's a common question. I hear it all the time. I don't have time to, to do this work. So you don't have to spend that much time. If you have a tool like Marcus Smith, we do a lot of that work for you. Right there on the chart, earnings, sales, group strength, institutional sponsorship, like you just mentioned, right. it's all there in the chart. So it allows you to make a decision much easier. Yeah, and the beauty is that we have in-house analysts that go through the SEC filings. They pull out those numbers, and they put it right on the markets chart, and all you have to do is analyze them. Yeah, I couldn't imagine having to go to the SEC website and look at the income statement, et cetera. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, and, and, and that would take hours and hours, and in that time, you can go through hundreds of stocks and find the best ones. So don't miss out on a big winner because you don't have enough time to research it. For more information, go to Investors.com slash podcast 2020. We are back on investing with IBD. And now we're Jordan, uh, joined uh, with uh, one of Gordon's daughters, Parker. Hi, Parker. Hi, how are you? Good, good. So Parker, let's go over a few ideas that you like. 
and the first stock is Google. And so what do you like about Google? Well, I like Google because I use it every day, so I'm familiar with what Google is about, and I like the way they do things. I enjoy the Google Drive, Google Docs, Google Sheets, and especially Gmail, because that's my main source of email. And my school endorses Google with their Docs, because the docs and slides you get to share with each other and then it helps with presentations. And also for Google, they have now are they now own YouTube and I am a huge fan of YouTube from just watching how to's and making my life easier or just in general entertainment like behind the scenes kinds of things and TV shows are now on YouTube, which I really like <laughs> <laughs> so so let's talk about youtube for a little bit here so now when you want to learn something you just go on youtube you type it in and there there are videos that teach you all about that subject huh mm -hmm. and, like, and like yeah give an example of that for youtube and how to's i when i was bored i would watch a diy which is a do-it-yourself which is crafts just to de-stress from school or whatever you need to do. Maybe if it's handy, then it will work a lot better for you, but just that kind of stuff. Okay, and and uh, with Google Drive, you're using that to upload files and, and keep it there so you don't have to, to, to get it lost. Yeah, what, what, what's so important about that Google Drive? Why do you like that? Well, Google Drive, it has Google Docs and Google Slides within it. It's one place to keep all of your stuff. For school, that's amazing because it makes your job a lot easier to find things. And what I liked about Google Drive is that they have folders that you can make and I have folders for each grade level that I'm in and then a folder within the folder, like the class, and then it helps me find things a lot easier. Oh, that's perfect. I mean, it keeps you really well organized. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's look. take a quick look at the chart here. So uh, right now, uh, Google has been doing incredibly well. It's it's trading at over $1,500. It broke out of a cup with handle back in end of October, and it's currently up 20% uh, from the pivot. So uh, it, it's at that area where you want to consider taking something off the table. Right, Parker? Mm-hmm. And uh, a few other things here, their earnings are starting to accelerate. It went from negative 1% to negative 2 and now it's a positive 16%. And their sales are pretty, pretty uh, consistent too, which is pretty amazing for a large company. And then finally, its relative strength rating is an ADA. And for a big company, that, that's pretty impressive. So let's get to the next stock, and this is Apple. And Parker, what do you like about Apple? Well, I've known Apple for quite a while, like since it first came out. My family has been recently buying the products and previously buying the products. Like I have the iPhone, I have the Apple Watch, which is great for time management. Dad's a big fan of time management. Yeah. And <laughs> 
also the MacBook for schoolwork. And we also, my friends use Apple, so it's just surrounding me. It's everywhere. And I love it because of the aesthetic and it's simple to use. And what's another great thing that I like about Apple and their products is that there's an iCloud where if your hard drive or you lose a device, like if your hard drive messes up, if you lose your device, then your photos and videos can go to the iCloud and they'll be safe there. And it can upload to other, like if I take a picture on my dad's phone and then it can go to my phone because it's shared together. Yeah, no, I mean, that's uh, pretty incredible. And and, uh, and so, so you're looking around, you're noticing all your friends are using Apple products and and then you're like, hey, you know what? They're probably making some good money here. Maybe I should take a look at their stock. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so so you have a MacBook now. Did you say you have an Apple TV too? The family has an Apple TV also. Yeah. Or okay, so you're in the Apple ecosystem now too. And what happens then? It becomes really hard to leave the Apple ecosystem, right? Yes. <laughs> So uh, it, it's not a surprise that Apple continues to do incredibly well. Uh, I, I think the last quarter or so is a, a great lesson on a lot of people assume that Apple already became really big and it couldn't grow anymore. But it's this kind of new services that, that they're doing right now because everyone has all these uh, products. And now, just like you said, with the iCloud, they're using all these other services. That's where Apple is generating a, a lot of money and their earnings are accelerating. It went from negative 7% to plus four to 19% and their sales are accelerating too. And so they broke out, they broke out late last year and it's currently up 48% uh, in a really nice uh, run. Now, remember Google was relative strength rating was an 88. Apple's relative strength rating is a 96. So it is, a, it's very popular, right? It's winning that popular popularity contest, right? Yes, yes it is. <laughs> so, yeah, so Apple right now is extended, but you definitely want to uh, keep a good eye on it. Uh, now, now, do you use the Apple Watch too? Too much, yes. Too much. I, way too much. Uh, what, what, and what do you like about the Apple Watch? Well, it makes things a lot easier because it's, you're looking at the time, it's just a quick look at your wrist and you know, all that. But it also has some of your apps on your phone on there. So what I use the most is the timer and messages because you can, for messaging, you can do an audio and then send it or you can draw the letters and it will send it afterwards. And I find that efficient when you don't have your phone around which I, it's simple, I love it. <laughs> and, and so with the audio, you're, you're just clicking on a button and, and you just say a very quick message and, 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 and off it goes, huh? Yeah, I, I've never tried that. See, that, that's, that's, that's way beyond my comprehension of it. But I, I actually have the Apple, uh, the Apple Watch too. And I honestly think it's, uh, it's one of the best things I've ever discovered. I, I, I uh, I'm using it all the time like you, Parker, and especially uh, working out and stuff. It's, it's it just tracks everything, how much you walk, you know. Um, and I, I think they're they're really onto something here. And I, I don't think people talk about it enough. But do all your friends have? Uh, are they all all using the Apple Watch? 
Yes, but they use it more for fitness, and I occasionally use it for fitness, but they, what's interesting about it is that it has different levels of what you want to do for fitness, and then it tracks your heart rate, how much you're walking, and it's kind of like a Fitbit within a phone, within a watch. It's all in one. It's great. And, and so, and you prefer using that versus a Fitbit? Or, or or one of Samsung's uh, watches or something like that, right? Okay, so so that there's an, another good su uh, suggestion from Parker. Uh, let's go to the final one, uh, Disney. And what do you like about uh, Disney? So I am a huge fan of Disney. I Disney has been my whole childhood, along with the characters, cause and the TV shows and the movies that. All of it is just great for family and everyone can be a part of it. It's great for movies. And I I like Disney because now they have the Disney Plus streaming service, which has companies that are now a part of Disney within it, like National Geographic, um, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars, which there are a lot of Star Wars fans and we... We're a Star Wars kind of family, <laughs> so we've been watching all the Star Wars, and we find it crazy with how many movies they've produced, and now they're all on one place, and it's a lot easier to watch things, and there's something for everyone, basically. Yeah, and, and the price is not that much, too, with the Disney Plus, which uh, really surprised me. It's, it's, what, like $13 or something, you get, like, everything, right? Yes. Now, what, what's, what's, uh, and, and with the Star Wars, they came out with that, uh, the show too, right? The Mandalorian show. Have you had a chance to, to watch that? What'd you think about that? We really enjoyed it because my mom, she loves the Star Wars aspect of like Yoda and the Force. My dad also right. loves the Force. And our, my sister, it's usually hard to like get her to watch something with us because she's kind of picky with her movies. But we all got to watch The Mandalorian as a family, which was great for bonding and, you know, all that jazz. Did you, did you get a chance to uh, watch uh, the latest Star Wars movie? Oh, yes. We went to a movie theater for the most recent one, but we can watch it again because it's right on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, so let's take a quick look at Disney. And uh, Disney, when they announced the price of Disney Plus, it really jumped up. Right now, it's pulling back. It's trading at 141. It's uh, finding support off the 200 day. Now, uh, with their earnings, their earnings aren't as great versus uh, Apple and Google, but their sales continue to increase. Uh, now, with the popularity contest, the relative strength rating, only a 53. Right. So versus out of the three stocks, this one is the, the least popular uh, stock. Right, Parker? Yes. Some people are more Nickelodeon, but <laughs> it's OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you want to get Disney is one of those stocks yeah, that you always want to keep an eye on because 
they are innovative as as you can see with Disney Plus. They have a great great CEO in Bob Iger and and they just continue to grow and grow because they have the the properties and the content uh, to continue to appeal and and really you know it, it's hard to match Disney content versus anything else. So there are a few ideas that are worth looking into. So thank you so much, Gordon and Parker, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> That's it for this week on Investing with IBD. Next week, we are going to have Andy Swan. He is the founder of Likefolio, which is a company that uses social data to understand consumer behavior. So that's it. I'm Arusha Paris, and thanks for listening. And for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.